two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. I want to I want to rant about fucking New York, okay? Cuz this is ridiculous. Tell me the price again for that place near. Uh it was like 1200 bucks for a um I went on. To, I went on to a different page, but it was like twelve hundred. Bu- tw- it was like twenty one hundred dollars a month for twelve hundred square feet on the seventh floor of an apartment building near Bank of America, which is where the Panthers play. Hardwood, hardwood, hardwood floors, amenities, two bathrooms, internet. Yep. For twelve for twelve hundred. Yep. You can't get a fucking piss corner in New York for fucking twelve hundred bucks, and let alone that's a one bedroom. Like and so like, sleeping in the kitchen. So I was gonna say, actually, um, in comparison, a two bedroom in Midtown, basically all the same things. Like, actually, maybe maybe not all the same. I don't things. think you, you get Let's anything. Check this out. In, in this two bedroom, one bathroom, twelve hundred feet is gonna be sixty seven hundred. <laughs> so, oh, for yes, those... comparable to that, you're paying almost ten grand a month. Yeah. So for those who are just tuning in right now, I'm trying to convince both Q and Gatto to move to North Carolina after they got fully pilled when they came down here. Um, <laughs> I am right now reading off. I was semi-pilled. Com- All right. Yeah, you were semi-pilled. Like you were pill adjacent. You were Charlotte adjacent at that point. <laughs> um, I was like, this, this doesn't suck. Right now I am reading off apartment prices in downtown i'm sorry uptown charlotte where the panthers play as just an example of what you can get and right now i'm looking at an apartment complex it's not terribly far from there two bedrooms two bathrooms 1200 square feet for 2186 dollars i'm reading the description right now this unit features granite countertops with an island dining area clean steel appliances subway tile backsplash Wood style flooring, elevated ceilings, washer dryer, keyless entry, balcony with entrances from the bedroom and the living area, walk-in closet, and upgraded lighting package. That's just stupid. But tell me more about like how it rains from October first to December first, and then it snows. <laughs> listen, listen, man. I I don't. I, I, I've been a staunch defender of New York for a long time, but I, I'm running out of, I'm running out of shit. I really am because like it, it's the biggest thing was like proximity to New York city. You know, that was, that was the thing. And that's cool when you're grad, when you just graduate college <laughs> until you're about 30, right? Now I, I like, you know, I don't want to go anywhere near the city, especially you know, COVID changed a lot of that, obviously, you know, I think, I think I would have been more, I don't know if I'd be this negative about it if it wasn't for COVID because it's just showing me that I don't want to be anywhere near a big city. 
Let alone, there's a lot of problems associated with living in a fucking city. That, huh. Like this is one of them that we're talking about. Is that it's very easy to get a highly contagious pathogen or virus. But right? I, I like, like sanitary, like sanitary issues. There's right. there's all sorts of things. Crime. Another dude was shot today on the fucking subway randomly. Like that shit is things you don't really worry about in other places. It's but it's as it's, much. But, you know, obviously living in, in a city, in a big city is fun because, like, you don't want to live in, like, suburbia necessarily unless... You know, Where I live. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Here, here's my question, though. If you lived in a city, right, what would you do for fun that you couldn't do in an area no, I think, similar? I think my biggest fear is, like, being too far away from, like, doing fun things. Because, like, yeah. you grew up in Shirley. And like you, there's nothing to do in Shirley. Literally, I mean, like other than go to the beach, you can you can go to the beach, right? And that's a fun thing to do. But what are you doing in Shirley? We for us to have fun, what do we we have to go patch up, right? Or we have to go to you know East Northport or wherever Long Beach. Like it's always a drive to somewhere fun. To where living at least in suburbia, close to one of those areas is like an ideal. So it's not too crazy, but at the same time, but like, I've always loved being near New York city because like, you know, it's just, it's fun. But now it's like, I have no urge. To, <laughs> I just want to, uh, uh, the problem is it's, it's too expensive. Yeah. And if yeah, you think I mean, about I, it though, like I, I will admit, like I am probably my wife and I were talking about this the other oh, day. I, and if we could, do it again we would try to see if we could be just a little bit closer to the city because it is it's just long enough of a drive for it to be like semi-inconvenient right but at the same time like realistically within our budget we weren't going to be able to find anything that was within the perimeter and we're cool with where we are because we got land and we got a screened in porch which is something that we really really wanted and we weren't going to be able to get it for this price point so all that to be said you know I like to go out and have a good time as much as anybody, but that's not necessarily something I want to do every single weekend. And I think it's just near stuff. Like it's not near stuff. Yeah. Bar, you know, like it can be, you know, top golf or, you know, restaurants and all that. It's like, yeah. Just in proximity to stuff. Um, Which but drives also, up the price of things. <laughs> it does. That's yeah. Fun. We, that's um, problem. well, we were um, having this conversation the other day, my wife and I went and had dinner somewhere like maybe 10 minutes down the road from us. And the week prior, we had gone out in Charlotte with some friends for our birthday. And we just looked at the receipts from the place that we went to that was in Concord, North Carolina versus the place that was in South End, Charlotte. And it was astronomically different, like yeah. a $5 beer in Concord would have been like a nine or $10 drink down there. So you could just see the price difference from like a 15 minute drive. And I mean, we were, we were, I mean, you know, the $2 Miller highlight. Yeah. Even that wasn't bad though. But that's, that's to me, it's like, I was like, how is it too, like, I've ne- I don't think I've seen beer dollars since the boardy bar. Well, there were $3 harder lights at the place we were at, by the way. I think uh, the FDA would consider what the boardy barn served beer. So true. Okay, but that's getting to the heart of why New York City kind of sucks because you couldn't get a Miller Highlight for probably less than ten dollars at this fucking point. Unless you go to a bodega right. and then it's half the price. Right. But well, you can't bring a... that into an establishment and do things with it. I mean, you right. can. Was it, all risk. Was it, 
Wasn't there a thing at LaGuardia where they were trying to serve in a $28 beer or something like that? Was it mm-hmm. LaGuardia or JFK? So that's another thing that they're doing at JFK is they're making things affordable again because it's become too expensive. They're outlawing price gouging, which was a thing happening in JFK. Like, I understand that it's a service fee, right? You're being served a beer, so it's different than, you know, buying one at the store, having it at an establishment. But, like, for them to, like, quadruple the price of a beer, it's just... Which is, I if we're quadrupling it, it's already an inflated price, like crazy. Right. Exactly. The the one cool thing New York has done recently, shout out to Hotchel for this one, is that they've now made it so you can take your drinks to go. Mm-hmm. That was not a thing before. And that's pretty fucking awesome. Yet- I'm, a, I'm a little mixed on that because that sends kind of a weird message too, but. Yeah, because I'm I'm sure that they still have laws about open containers and whatnot. But right, yeah, basically. So you walk out and there's a cop there to arrest you like immediately. Yeah, you find out. Oh no, I I was just bringing these drinks home, officer. (laughs) Sitting in your fucking like yeah, pulls you over. He's like, what what are those over there? (laughs) Mocktails. Just sitting in your center console. Like, (laughs) yeah, I got to go beer. Yeah, that was a that was a big thing during COVID. They were like, "You can now like leave here with your booze." I'm like, "How does that work?" <laughs> you give me a little like a little sippy cup to go. Yeah, they're like, "You want a straw?" I'm like, um, "Am I going to get arrested for this if it's <laughs> in, like if it's in my hand while I'm driving with my Chinese food in the passenger seat?" <laughs> oh man. But yeah, all that to be said, you guys should move down. So I will go and look for apartments this weekend for you. It's all Memorial right. Day weekend, so I might have to do it Thursday. I'll Can send you, you some contracts. Memorial Day sale? <laughs> do it absolutely hammered, Tom. I feel like you do your best I'm in. work then. <laughs> yeah. In a range of three to five beers, I can uh, I can probably get you the best deal in the best location. Like, <laughs> I'll knock about $300 off the price. This is cool. You know what? I like you, but we have other people who want to sign. So I uh, got to act quick. Got to Yeah, act. well, it's going to be hard to sign those people when you can't call them because I'm going to break all your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give them the Jared Leto treatment. Just send them like, you know, UPS packages full of bullets and dead animals. <laughs> oh, shit. You're Morbin. Morbin. Well, I've, it's hard not to think about because. You know, if I if I could find a good job that pays comparable, it's like you know, it's hard not to even, you know, it's hard not to imagine doing it because the night, you know, some of those cities are fun, and it's like be that close to all of that and still be paying. Rent. I mean, it's just insane that you can like like you have to pay close to what you're paying for like an apartment in Suffolk County. Like, yes. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. You also don't have monkeypox yet. New York City I mean, has. I mean, I haven't left the house in two days, so no All monkey, right. no, no monkey pox down here. Had, though yet, but I will yeah. just. This will be my last. New York pitch. City does have it. <laughs> this will be my last pitch. If you think about it, though, you would be moving away from a place that's overly expensive to a place that has direct flights back to Long Island. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hour flight. You'd also be moving to a place that has a lot of people from New York and other states moving here because it's one, affordable, and two, fun. 
and it's a, ultimately like it's a it's a young and growing city and it's a cool place to get in the ground floor on. I mean, both my wife and I work remote jobs and we could have easily stayed in Greensboro. But we said, like, this is the first chance we have to actually choose where we're going to live. So let's think, choose where it, we want to live. I think another thing is because of the area is growing and getting bigger. It means that you're what you're paying today is not what you pay tomorrow. Right. So you're getting something in an area that's probably going to blow up a lot more soon. Mm -hmm. So this episode of the second mouse podcast is brought to you by the homeowners association of North Carolina. And sponsored by Zillow. (laughs) We did receive (laughs) all donation from the state of North Carolina. Speaking from getting donations from North Carolina, did you guys, now that you're fully pilled on North Carolina, have you been following the North Carolina primary? (laughs) Yeah. I think everybody has. Good old, good old, and I'll get it. Yeah, he uh, he lost, man. And I'm starting to think that those uh, cocaine parties are real at this point. Yeah, somebody uh, should definitely text him and find out about those. Well, if if it wasn't for the fact that he he got brought up in front of an ethics committee today, or he's he's going to yeah. have to go in front of an ethics committee for promoting, he definitely he's definitely been invited to a couple cocaine parties. That's that's got to be the case. But it, isn't it amazing though that like he, because to this day I think he's an ardent MAGA guy, and they typically don't mess around with the the MAGA types. They just leave them alone and let them you know get, usually throw their support. And the minute he said that, it like shifted all of a sudden everything started getting leaked on him it is pretty amazing to see that like the minute that happened they they turned on him so fast yeah i would like to say i think that what we're seeing is the establishment is now starting to push back um if you think about it like marjorie taylor green having to go and perjure herself madison carthon just getting dragged through the fucking mud and the swamp and all that good shit if you're someone who's voting for the very right um your middle right leaders in your same party are gonna do their damnedest to get rid of these candidates if they get in i i don't i don't see them actually having any allegiance to them or they'll take your power but they don't want these people involved in the game and they're going to do, ex- and this is happening on the left too. But I think yeah. this is this is um, something we're going to see more and more of. So I do have to ask, though, because I think this is important to note: is it that these people are getting pushed out? Is it more so because they are uncontrollable by the established right? or in some cases the establishment left where these people are not going to tow the party line, like the Marjorie Taylor greens of the world, the Lauren Boebert's, the Madison Cawthorns, they don't care what like the caucus says or what the Republican national committee says. It's more so they're unpredictable. Therefore we have to get rid of them. Like ultimately for those who don't know the background, the guy who beat Madison Cawthorn in the congressional primary, he was funded by a North Carolina senator, Tom Tillis, and a super PAC that he created to ultimately just defeat um, Madison Cawthorn. Tom Tillis is a U.S. senator, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think they fear the ones that are going to embarrass them or at least they what they consider to be embarrassing. Yes. Cawthorn, there was too much going on, like between the loaded gun at the airport 
which he done he did twice, two times. <laughs> um, and then the comments about the cocaine parties and the you know all the, the pictures. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure they didn't. Love it. And uh, yeah, so I think they they saw an opportunity to take him out, and they did. Yeah, I'd say specifically the control issue. They can't the established right can't control the fringe right, and sadly that, that is, is much worse than <laughs> they're they're pretty awful themselves, which is yeah. uh, now. I mean, they're doing kind of some dirty work for, I guess, the left. But I think it's the fact that, like, they can't push the status quo of politics with people like that. They can't they... get them to unify on everything that they need. Because there's unpo- there's popular things amongst mainstream, like, Republicans that they can't get them to agree with them on. Or they've said things that are contrary to those beliefs. And they don't, don't... want to let the splintering happen that's happened on the left, essentially, in my well, opinion. And... I also think that they're weeding out people they view as weak. So Madison Cawthorn, did, he he didn't do anything legislative. Like I don't, I can't think of a single bill he sponsored that None was like. Do. They look at a guy like uh, DeSantis and they're like, "That's the guy," because he he will literally come up with the most evil legislation you can think of, and he'll like he'll soft sell it. So I think they look at a guy like that and like that's who they're gonna back. And, and Cawthorn for them is more of like a just a pain in the ass at this point. Yeah. And it's curious too, in the sense of like, I mean, you mentioned that about Ron DeSantis. He's certainly done things that have gotten headlines, but at the same time, like he hasn't done anything that's actually like moved the needle for Florida and has put Florida in a position to be successful. Like the Disney, like the dispute that they have with Disney, it's only going to hurt Florida. Oh, they don't care though. They don't care. But But also too, like that, like, victims of communism day it's like what they eat up the anti-crt stuff they do like that, for them like the anti-transgender stuff that's like that that's their bread and butter that's what they don't care about like anything else other than like culture war shit at this well point. The, the republican party has always worked on getting you know 10 percent of the people here 10 percent of the people there on single issues and yeah. as long as they can use a single issue to gain some votes they will do it and that's what DeSantis is really doing he's trying to just shore up that the people that don't like Disney um, are on his side the people that hate communism um, is on that side and that's and I think that's that's aimed at um, Cuban Americans specifically so it is yeah but there's there's a, a dwindling number of folks, and granted, it was not that long ago, but there are far fewer people who were directly impacted by the Castro administration in Cuba now than there were in the 1960s and 70s when it was a more hot button issue. But it, but it resonates, though, because fewer people voted for Biden than in Miami-Dade. Like Miami-Dade is like really the only Democratic stronghold in Florida, right? That's true. And that's where, like, the majority of the big votes that come for Democrats, if they're going to win, they have to, like, crazily overperform in that area and chip off pieces in, like, the red areas. More, I, like, I think the gap of, like, certain areas are, are shrinking. And, like, most people voted for Trump there. It still went, it was still a blue area, but, like, barely. Not as much. And, much more of a 
because the, the younger generation has really bought into the the anti-Cuba stuff, the the anti-communism. The, the the it's working for them. I don't know if it's chipping away at middle like middle of the road voters. It's certainly not moving anybody left to right. But if they can find people that were more politically inactive and get them to hate communism, that's like they won because that's how you that's how they get them. Yeah. Too. It's all jobs and that shit related. Yeah. It's very interesting how like and I know that we kind of we've veered down the pathway that we normally do with Madison Cawthorn, but it's it's very interesting to see how and I wonder if it's almost like there's a little bit of a realignment of the Republican Party where they're no longer getting the wild card QAnon people, but they're getting the predictable QAnon people. Like you saw with the Pennsylvania Senate senatorial primary where it was dr oz and the hedge fund billionaire and then um by the way it's still too close to call at this point that's so yeah. fascinating though like, <laughs> i mean that's that's kind of an indictment on trump's fucking endorsement abilities too it's like it's a fucking tv doctor versus a hedge fund guy this too. guy i think he's still i think dr oz is still ahead if i let if i'm correct i mean if if anything makes sense though about that is that celebrities seem to do well in American politics, right? Pittsburgh Gazette. Um, Donald Trump was a celebrity before a politician. Um, Ronald Reagan, celebrity before a politician. Um, hedge fund guys are like, um, what's his face from Utah? Uh, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. Just like ultra rich people that are, again, out of touch. They don't have that same blue collar feel. Less than a thousand votes it makes no sense. Not separated by nine hundred and ninety-one votes right now. Who is the the woman who is the third candidate? Um, is her name Catherine Bennett? I think I, I'm not. I'm not hundred percent. I'm going to double check that, but she was almost irrelevant up until like the last couple weeks. Um, the Pennsylvania Senate primary. She's a um, an interesting one where. If you look at what was going on, uh, Kathy Barnett, that's her name. Um, she was pretty much out of the running up until the last couple of weeks. And you could see like even on Fox News and even Donald Trump, they were trying to push people away from her because she was very much like conspiracy theorist, um, <laughs> kind of like the I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, my God. And she was kind of the opposite of what they were looking for between Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick, where even Trump was like, there's a lot of sketchy stuff in her background. I don't know. They were starting to question like her military background as well. Um, I, it looks like she is certainly out of it. I think that she was at 24% and then Dr. Oz was 309 and Dave McCormick was 30.8. It's going to be toy. It's going to be toy. Yeah. I think probably going to be a runoff. They're saying you guys think that, uh, the mainstream or establishment right is worried about being overtaken by the radical right. Do you think that's what's going on here? I, I think, don't know if there's enough money in the radical right. Yeah, I feel like the the the, the <laughs> people at the top, the like the Mitch McConnells and those type, they they have a pretty firm grip, and their funding is significantly higher. And for them, like they'll keep them because they're like they they ignite that part of the base. And like they keep the people, 
but like so i wonder about that though with do you think this is like because you have someone like mitch mcconnell coming from like a bible belt state that's one of the reasons why they've also been pushing so much religious laws these this you know kind of religious indoctrination in government late as of late because i feel like the the fringe or the cues they like the 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 QAnon believers they that fracturing of values is also something that is affecting this well a lot of them are big on god like feel like it's a, like a holy war pretty much I'm against the, the interesting le- but the, the the thing about it is that Republicans really are there are two different types of Republicans still in like as far as politicians are concerned, ones that are funded by like economy, so like tax breaks and things like that, and that's like that's their main motivation. That's McConnell's main motivation. Like I think the social issues are just like you know, that's just how they get votes. Just a cherry on top of his Sunday. Yeah, they're there. But for him, he's more concerned with like economic shit than. Like and like the Cawthorns and the Boberts and all there, they're just there to like push the oh. culture and cancel culture and like that's why like Mitch McConnell they just want to push the needle right. Yeah, Mitch McConnell's not going to say the word cancel culture, and he's not going to say like you know he's not going to come up and say MAGA or build the wall. Like that's not his style. Like his style is like tax breaks, <laughs> which by the way, just as evil as everyone else, but like. It's it's they're 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 just different style of politicians at this point. I think they tolerate them until they step out of line, and I think Carthorne probably stepped out of line too many times. Doug Mastriano, he's the leading. No, he, he won the primary. He won the primary for governor. And this guy is just super interesting in the sense of like, he was actually at the insurrection. He was. He's also a real weirdo. Um, no. <laughs> He believes he's a part of the Christian nationalist movement, which, you know, going on and saying, like, we have the power from God to do all of this stuff. Yeah. All um, those words made me cringe. I put like, you- I- this is real strange. Like, well, a lot of these candidates never would have made it past the vetting process, but now it's, like, very cool for them. Very cool and totally legal for them to be in it. Now, this is the crazy thing about Mastriano is that ads were pushed on his behalf by the uh democratic candidates yes. that ran unopposed um yep. i forget his name right now his idea his thinking behind that was that this guy is too crazy too out there to win the governorship against him stupid and i feel like that's exactly it's gonna just bite him in the fucking ass because you literally have your name attached to the ad supporting this guy so the name of the political non the political action committee is the Strategic Victory Fund, which, alongside other major Democratic donors and allied organizations, the campaign is being run by affiliates of Planned Parenthood and Democratic Governors Association, <laughs> and they basically funded this guy to be a lunatic. Yeah, and it just blows my mind. They'll that- lose the lunatic and then be like, "What happened?" Yeah. yeah. How did this happen to us? Yeah. You, yeah. you let the lion out of the cage and you're shocked it maimed somebody, right? So dumb. It's a very dumb move. All right. Well, this will be another fun November where, you know, one side will get blown out. And the, if the other side doesn't win, they're going to call everything fake. And Well, it's pretty interesting because the Democrats, um, 
you know, the, the, at least the, the few results that we've had so far have been interesting because being a more stronger push from the more progressive side of the party, um, obviously John Fetterman uh, kicked the shit out of Connor Lamb, which was great to see. Yeah, very much so. And by the way, over 30 points beat him. And there was already some concern because obviously Fetterman suffered a stroke um, right, right literally before primary day. And like that, even even with that, still had no bearing. Like maybe he would even won by more. So, um, but it's not just him, obviously. Um, I think we saw a couple other progressives kind of break through, and it's and starting to wonder if we're starting to see a pushback from the way that the Biden administration's been handling people like Joe Manchin, uh, Kristen Sienema, uh, and maybe it's time to start pushing back on him a little bit more. And I. I, I'd like to think that it's a step in the right direction, but then again, I've been fooled before. So, yeah, well, I think people are starting to realize like if, if we're going to lose, we're at least going to be able to tell people what we're fighting for because I mean, I live in Pennsylvania, but Connor lamb beat somebody in like a very blue collar section of Pittsburgh and has been pretty quiet since then. And I think they're going to need somebody who's got a little bit more, stage presence and somebody who is going to say who's going to advocate for the people in a way that makes him a relatable person. And that's what Fetterman does. The health problem certainly would scare anybody, but I don't know. I think, I think he can take it to anybody who he's up against. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you look at a guy like Fetterman and look, I, I, I like Fetterman. He's not perfect. He has, some serious flaws and, and, but again, I think the, I think we need to, I think as people, we need to start getting back to that of going, like, I don't agree with him hundred percent on everything, but like, it's, you know, he's good enough. He's a good enough candidate. He, he was a Bernie guy, even when it wasn't popular. So I trust that he uh, is going to be more progressive more, more often than not. Yeah. That's, that's what we have to settle with at this point until we can get, uh, but, yeah, you're 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 100 right. Um, like I'm seeing, like he he is very much like an old school type of Democrat because he's six foot fucking nine. He's a huge guy, he's a big boy. Cats, you know, and he he wears shorts to fucking like he doesn't wear like he, Connor Lamb. But he's a shorts. Yeah, Connor doesn't Connor Lamb look like he was built in like a lab to be a Democratic presidential candidate ten years ago. Like, that's what people wanted. They wanted, like, the former Marine, you know, Ivy League guy. And, like, you know, that's why Buttigieg, I think, is going to, like, you're going to see him just disappear eventually. Because, like, he's a carbon copy of the Obama type that I think Democrats are starting to reject and going more towards, like, blue-collar union-type Democrats. Which I- well, I yeah. think for years we've been going fucking more and more center-right. Yeah. Now, now it's like, come on, like let's let's go back in the fucking opposite direction. We got to fucking balance out these nut jobs on on the right. You know, it's time e- to do it. Economic populism is a big driving factor with the electorate, in my opinion. And to, for too long, we've had Democratic candidates going like, "Yeah, you know what? Expanded health care. It's a great idea. We can't afford it." The idea of okay, let's cut a deal. Let's cut a deal. Let's cut a deal. That shit has to end. Watering, watering down legislation to make it okay for the Republicans who are still going to say no and sit yeah. and then wait to get power back. Wait for you to flounder around for a couple of years, and then once they get power again, they just run roughshod and chip away at more stuff. And then when the Democrats take back power, 
they don't do anything to fix it with the damage that was done. And then again, wave wafer around for like two more years. And it's, it's a constant cycle that has led to what we, what we're dealing with. Now. And, and that's what Fetterman to me represents is someone who's not gonna, he's going to break that cycle. He's, he's someone that's willing to step outside that he's willing to talk back and stand up where other fucking, you know, conventional left fail to do that. Well, and that's what like the constant, the, the difference between like a blue dog Democrat and you're seeing the more progressive. I know people shit on the squad a lot and that's fine. And I have my own issues with like AOC and all them, but like at the end of the, at the end of the day, they've, they have advanced better conversations forward than any other politician in the party has mainly because of the fact that they are at least talking about expanded healthcare. They are talking about ending forever wars they are talking about like you know, <laughs> public education, uh, free college, things of that nature, which, by the way, are totally doable. But the Democrats are going to continue put. And I'm and I'm telling you, I am really scared that Roe v. Wade, you know, the issue of abortion, is going to become the next fundraising idea for the Democrats, in which they're going to continue to say we're powerless to do anything to stop it, and to codify Roe and to like provide you, you know, that that freedom again. And they're just going to use it to do- to get people to donate and then do nothing. About it. It's a scare tactic. It's 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 pretty easy, right? Elect me, give me money because I will make sure to protect your rights. Once they get power, even though they have enough power, they won't do anything because the Republicans will just block it and they'll just go. Sorry, guys, nothing we can do. And, and you have to wonder, like, what is what is the Democratic committee doing? Like, what is Tom Perez, what is your job right now? They, they the, the problem is they become so corporate. Like, you know, Biden had the, the ties to like the credit card industry beforehand. And like, you know, all these guys got their hands in healthcare companies. So for them, they're essentially paid to be the compassionate, moderate Republican. That's essentially what they are. The aw shucks. They're gonna be they're gonna be deficit hawks and they're gonna be budget hawks and they're gonna constantly tell you they they can't do anything despite the fact that it's more expensive now than it's ever been and but like that somehow it's a good thing because we have choice and you know we don't have a government run system uh, but at the same time they're gonna tell you how sad they are about it. And Tom Perez is gonna run for governor of Maryland, so is he really? For, yeah, I can't wait for him to fucking lose that one. No, he'll win because. It's He's going up against Larry Hogan. I think Larry Hogan's actually a decent Republican. Yeah. Larry Hogan is probably the only one that's actually been able to do things on both sides, and people don't think he's a total idiot. I don't, yeah, I don't I respect re- him. I don't recall him being an asshole, but I'm sure he could be because <laughs> he's still a Republican at the end of the day. Sorry. Probably. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, but no, you, I think we're seeing, I, I, I hope that we are going to see this because I, I think we need more, I think we need more fighters on, on our side and Fetterman, at least if you, you know, say whatever you want about him, he seems to be, he didn't, he doesn't seem to be nervous because um, by the way, like somebody posted the amount of endorsements that Lamb got compared to Fetterman. And I think it was like, like the list was full with, with Lamb. I mean, you're talking about big hitting Democrats and Fetterman got nothing. Mm-hmm. And again, to the ability to connect with people, especially in rural areas, with the you know, with literally no backing from the establishment, it's not an easy thing to do. So, 
Got to get him credit where credit. His whole like life was working with like youth and trying to build like mentoring networks. And then he ultimately became the mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania. And he, he made such an impact on that entire area, which is like greatly just financially distressed and has constantly struggled with a number of things, but he's been able to, to build a coalition of people that are not making a hundred thousand dollars a year. They're not making $50,000 a year. They're making minimum wage, but there is something to be said about doing what the people vote you in to do. And that's, you have to admire about Republicans is like for all of their pitfalls, they do listen to their, their voters and they do what the voters tell them to do. Do you remember that leaked audio from Biden to the like top donors? And it, he said he was quoted saying nothing. Um, can't remember the exact quote, but nothing, basically nothing will change. So like, I'm going to come in there. I'm not going to change the corporate tax rate. I'm not going to change anything regarding capital gains or anything like that. Don't worry about it. I'm going to steer the ship. And I said that when, when Biden won the nomination, I said he's probably like he has a chance to beat Trump, but I'm scared about what's going to happen. And I'm not scared about what's going to happen in 2020. I'm scared what's going to happen in 2024. Yeah. Because, wa- you know, wavering around for a couple of years and not doing anything leaves open the Republicans to not only win back, but like win back big. Well, I got to sure. be honest. The fucking whoever's doing the wh- whoever's going out and getting the fucking polling and doing their fucking campaign strategy on the fucking left is fucking stupid. Whoever they are, they are so bad. Because I I can see why Biden might say those things to a bunch of voters who have basically been shell-shocked for four years by Donald Trump's insane tweets and what have, have you, that he's saying that to maybe just calm them down, corral these mainstream votes, because that's what they thought they needed. Oh, no. All of this... So, You're but playing to your donors. About that, right? Like, he's basically telling them, like, I, all these things I'm promising these guys, I ain't doing shit. That was what he was basically saying. He was saying, he was writing it out there right away, basically letting you know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm he's not done a pretty good job of that. Right. Right. And he, and, and again, his donors are fine with that. That's why, like, Manchin, Manchin's got the best job ever because he doesn't want to push any of this legislation forward and he, he gets to destroy it every single time. And that's what his donors want him to do. They want him to destroy any meaningful legislation. And you can always play both sides of the argument and have both sides give you whatever you want. Yep. He's loved by both sides because he, he gives the Democrats like donors and gives them somebody in West Virginia, which is a like the reddest state in the country. If you think about it, though, isn't that the actual swamp, though? West Virginia? No, no. Like that mentality of serving as kind of that 50-50 senator where you don't actually stand for anything. It's just all about like personal gain rather than actually serving your constituency. And I think much more of like Joe Manchin is more of the swamp than like Nancy Pelosi is. I'm I'm going to tell you this, Tom. Perfect example. Filibuster, right? Yeah, he has been really dead set on because if we if he was the, if him and Sienna play ball and they're able to get rid of the filibuster, it changes everything to a certain extent. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to because that means it's just a, a one vote majority and they'll have the tie and most likely 
you know, Harris would obviously, as the president of the Senate, would would vote yes and give them meaningful legislation, right? They're not, he's not doing it because he knows that. So he's trying, and he's talking about protecting institutions, right? Like I'm protecting our democracy from being overrun. But he had nothing to say when Mitch McConnell changed the rules on Supreme Court justices. So now it's literally just a, a simple majority. He didn't have anything to say about that. He doesn't seem to care about the democ- the democratic process there. So it's 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 ridiculous to me that he's talking about saving. It's that's what he's that's his job. It's just yeah. to keep everything the same way it is. I'm glad that you mentioned Kristen Cinema or Kirsten Cinema because they uh, Ruben Gallego was on Bill Maher the other day, and Maher said that if Ruben Gallego ran against Kristen Cinema for the Democratic primary in Arizona, he would beat her right now by like triple by double digits. She's a, she's very unpopular. And- yeah. But I, I think for her, she knows that she's got a nice private sector job probably waiting for her afterwards, so she doesn't care. Yeah, but I like I like Gallego. I think that he's got some some cool ideas, and he's a personal person, and he is not afraid to talk a little shit to people too. And going back to that, like you need fighter mentalities, and I think that he's one of them that could do it. We, we granted we're talking about a different state, but one that's important all the same. I mean, Arizona man was. I mean, did anybody think that was going to go blue? No. It's changing changing demographics and everything. It, it's it's helping. Um, but yeah, no, I mean we need like like you said, like we were just talking about, we need fighters, man. We need people that are gonna be willing to like actually go against these people. And like you can't more you can't um you can't play the moral high card with these people. Like you have to fight against them. Mm-hmm. You'll lose support really fast. So based on what you guys have seen with the primaries. How are you actually feeling for the upcoming elections, the midterms? Not good. Still generally terrified. Yeah, I I feel pretty nervous, honestly. Um, by the way, another one I, we didn't talk about, Charles Booker in Kentucky will face off against Rand Paul. I don't expect him to win because it's Kentucky and it's Rand Paul. It's a name. It's a big name figure. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see how he does in comparison to Amy McGrath, who got like hundreds of millions of dollars thrown at her and uh, McConnell and lost by like 25 points. Yeah. She got smoked because he, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very smart young guy. I think he's only in his thirties. Um, but he, he obviously shares that progressive vision. So to me, I'm interested to see if he can keep it close against Rand Paul. If he keeps it within 10 points of Rand Paul, that tells you everything you know about, the way the Democrats need to go going forward. Yeah, I like I like Charles Booker. I think that he came out of, he kind of came out of nowhere. Was it in 2018? He was he was basically vying to uh, be the the candidate going against Mitch McConnell and uh, Amy McGrath, the you know pick of the establishment Democrats. And I mean, they gave her such a big push, and all the and po- it went nowhere. The the, po- the polls were like. She might have a shot taking down Mitch McConnell. And I remember, I'm like, no way. It's not going to happen. She lost by, like, 25 points. Mm-hmm. And everyone was saying, like, that's her name escapes me in uh, Atlanta. Uh, in, uh, oh, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, yeah. The way she's been doing it in, in Georgia is just organizing, getting people motivated to vote. It's not – you can't win with money because, like, a lot of these ads, they don't work anymore. 
Yeah, people don't watch enough TV anymore. They throw everything out that they get in the mail. Um, who was – there was somebody in – there was somebody in Ohio that was running for Congress there who didn't do any like door-to-door campaigning because I said it wasn't worth it and they can engage more people online. And they're like, see how many people we have on Twitter? It's like, right, but you also have people that live out of state that are following you. Like how many people, the only way that you're going to get people to pay attention to you in state is if you go and talk to them. You have to talk to them. That's why like as much as Beto, I, I hate Beto. I do him credit when he was running um, against him. He went to every single city. In, I think he went to like every single city in Texas and like would do a like town hall with people who did not. There was not a restaurant table or a hood of a car he would not stand on. He was skateboarding off all of them. Yep. <laughs> Somebody's like brand new like Chrysler town and country has <laughs> just boot prints all over it. <laughs> man, he is he's such a dummy. He really is, man. I that when he in 2020, he had such a golden opportunity to take down Cornyn. And I think he would have did it. Because Cornyn was already kind of weak. And that would have been the best way to serve. And he did. He ran for president, of course. And he did that fucking Vanity Fair article, like, born to be in it. And he just tanked so bad. He's born to lose, apparently. I'm stupid, man. Like, you, you would have been better. Like, there was no way you were going to win. You would have been better served, like, going going against Cornyn, beating him, giving us a blue, a blue senator from Texas. Yeah, I don't know who the person who was like, you know what you should do after you lose your congressional race is run for president. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. And it's like, you know, okay, you went against Ted Cruz, and, like, I get it. You're not going to beat Ted Cruz in Texas, but, like, Cornyn was beatable. Yeah, for sure. So in 2024, Tom, is there anybody that you think, at this point, right, it's Trump. It's got to be Trump, right? For president? For for, for the Republican nominee. It's got to be Ronnie D. You think DeSantis is going to take win the nomination over Trump? Yes. I think I think DeSantis sees his shot because Trump will be eighty-two by then. Do you think that he might take a VP? No. On the on the, if Trump guarantees that he only will run the twenty twenty four and then he will like not run in twenty twenty eight. No, I think DeSantis has enough goodwill built up that he can go toe to toe with Trump. And ultimately, you got to think, though, like Trump does not have the same level of influence as he did when in the White House, because a lot of his influence came from Twitter, which he doesn't have anymore. He's got Truth Social, but might have it back soon. He might have it back. I don't think that's I think Elon's ship has sailed and sunk at this point. I do. Um, But I think. Ron DeSantis right now is the the golden child of the Republican Party in the sense that he pushed back against COVID, which, you know, anti-CRT stuff, anti-CRT stuff. Um, Florida is a huge state that you can't disrespect, even if Trump does live there. Trans bill. Um, the trans bill. Yeah, I, I think that there's just too much there. And ultimately, it's going to be like it's going to be DeSantis, Trump and a bunch of like goons who have run like three or four times. If they just need someone to go out there and like get like they need a starter to go out there and like throw four innings and give up six runs. It's a Sunday game in September. No one cares about. So like they'll get Rand Paul out there. (laughs) Do you think do you think there is a single Democrat that can beat him? 
No. I don't either. I do I, I do think there's one that could. That but I don't think but I think it's gonna be like another four years of the same shit. And who's that person? Michelle Obama. I don't think she'd want to do it. No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. And um but I think she's probably the only one that could win. Uh, that would ignite the fan base enough. The the base, the, the, the what we have with Biden, probably not. It's just going to be the same people in this in the same position. So, it, if you think about it, though, there are no recognizable faces within the Democratic Party right now no. of influence that are not seventy or older. I mean, does anybody think that Buttigieg could could win outside of like the like New York? Like, I, I don't like I, I don't th- like I don't think he's winning. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I don't think Kamala Harris even comes close. I think if those two people run, they're going to get destroyed. Yeah, yeah. She would probably be president. He would be VP, and it would they would lose. Uh, I, I pretty much outside of the normal blue states, they would lose everything else. Yeah, AOC is not going to like AOC is going to run maybe for probably one day. Yeah, she's not going to. I mean, maybe um... Katie Porter, but I don't think she's going to have the support. Uh, who's the governor of Illinois? Pritzker, <laughs> big man. Yeah, um, maybe him. Yeah, I, I, I've seen him. Him and Fetterman would be like, they're both like big guys, right? Yeah, they're big boys. Yeah, <laughs> we need to run. We need to run the big boys. I think. I think that's really the only way out because. But the problem is the Democrats have always kind of rigged the process with the superdelegates. So, like, you don't really ever get who you want. You get who they want. So, I don't see them. I don't yeah, see them. That really fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I at least give the Republicans credit that, like, Trump caught fire in 2016 and they were like, we're jumping on board. I mean, these are some of the names that are getting thrown around. This is from a Washington Post article from April from mm-hmm. Aaron Blake. Okay. So you got AOC at number 10. Nope. You got Gavin Newsom. No. <laughs> no way. Cory Booker. No. No, he's times past. Sherrod Brown. No. Uh, Sherrod Brown is probably the one I'm like, could could do well. He's, he's Ohio, right? Yes. So I think he makes you relevant in the – he's progressive enough, but not super progressive. Um, Roy Cooper. Governor North of North Carolina, Carolina. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know if he's going to win the Rust Belt though, but but maybe. He's too much like Joe Biden. Amy Klobuchar, no. Elizabeth Warren, no. Off with Klobuchar, probably. What's that? I think Klobuchar could probably win. She's she's like folksy enough that I think like she and she's from Minnesota, right? Yeah. So. I think she would do well in the, in those areas and in, in like the Rust Belt of like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I think she'd do probably pretty well. Maybe, yeah. And she is on like a bunch of good committees, if, if I'm staying corrected. So she's got the chops. In yeah. Um, Elizabeth Warren, no. She just she's a good she's I I don't have I don't I don't like the way she handled the Bernie thing in primary, but whatever it is, what it is. She's a good enough politician, but she's just not popular enough. Like, no, never resonates into winning. She didn't win a single like state in the primary. No, I mean, she's there are some people who just need to be senators or just need to be congresspersons yeah. or, or in Congress mm-hmm. that that's where like 
I don't think Mitch McConnell has ever said I want to be president. Like, there's too much power to be had as a Senate majority leader, right. a Senate minority leader. Yeah, he, he doesn't care about all that. He's just like he's he's doing his thing. And then the other three are the people we already talked about: Harris, Buttigieg, Biden. I think all three of those will get blown out. Yeah, it's not it's not going to go well. Um, if it's if we're if we're running Biden again, it's not going to go well. Just- I will say though that I was looking at a CNN article as well they have mitch landrew on here which would be interesting because he's only been the mayor of new orleans but in yeah i mean and new orleans is a pretty liberal city so yeah uh phil murphy no connecticut no gretchen whitmer and he's new jersey uh maybe again midwest midwest you know folksy and and i think she could probably win some people's hearts by uh, basically a judge throwing out the case that of those three guys who tried to kidnap her and murder they, her. I didn't even hear about that. Because the FBI fucked up the case. So those guys just walked? Yeah, pretty much. Really? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah, I remember when all that went down. That was fucking nuts. God. J.B. Pritzker is another one on here. Pritzker has two things going for him. He's the governor of a major Midwestern state, Illinois, and he's also very rich. Probably richer than Trump. I'm just gonna say that. That's yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know his politics all that well, though. I mean, he's he's got a pretty hard state to deal with in Illinois, where there are people. They're just hemorrhaging people, and Chicago is a pretty complicated city in its own. Yeah. Um, and then Stacey Abrams. I don't like that move. No, I mean, I think she's done a great job, and they should continue to let her like run against Kemp run again against him run for governor. Yeah. I just have, I just have a hard time with people who have lost like lower level races running for the bigger ones, because if you lose both, then you're done. You're the cliff Kingsbury of, uh, of yeah, you keep failing up and not doing well in those jobs. (laughs) And it's like, one day they're going to stop giving you those jobs. Cause like, yeah, people will stop calling you. You'll go into the you go into the booth because like you can't hack it anymore. Yeah, no, I mean I, I like I think Stacey Abrams did a great job in Georgia, obviously, and and I think she should probably run for governor again. And in the future, you know, ten years from now, if she's you know wins governor and crushes it in Georgia, then yeah, absolutely. But like this this year, no, twenty twenty four, no, no way. Yeah, that's the same thing with AOC. I think AOC can do a lot of good, but. You know, you, you got to do a little bit more before we're talking about president. I would agree. You got to have you got to have something of substance too. Somebody not on the list you didn't read was Bernie Sanders. Dude, he's gonna be eighty-five. But I mean, Biden's gonna be fucking what? Doesn't mean I want Joe Biden. No, he's on. But he's on the list, and Bernie's not. Which is- I think Bernie's probably pretty soured on the whole thing that's happened two times now where they've pretty much pushed him aside for people who have quote unquote earned it over him. The funny thing is I think Bernie Sanders legacy will outlive all of their legacies put together. And we're seeing that with the, the primary with John Fetterman, right? We're seeing it with the AOCs. We're seeing, you know, like Bernie gets to go home and sleep at night knowing that what he did will eventually lead to change, even if he didn't get the chance to really change things the way he might have wanted to. Yeah, and I think you saw in Oregon, I can't remember the name of the, it was like a long time, he was considered, uh, he was considered the uh, Joe Manchin of, of the house. Yeah. 
lost by like 35 points to the progressive challenger. So you are seeing the pushback on these like more conservative Democrats, but yeah, I, I agree with you, God. I think, I think God, I think his legacy is starting to kind of take place. So yeah. History will be kind to Bernie Sanders. I think I, I agree. Not to switch, not to abruptly switch gears too quickly, but can we just talk about um, Miami coin? I don't know anything about Miami coin. <laughs> what the hell is Miami coin? Yeah. So I shared this article in our group chat. The city of Miami created its own cryptocurrency. Oh boy. As a way of offsetting like city taxes and. It was created by an organization called City Coins. And my understanding is after reading this article, about $5.2 million were brought back into the city through people purchasing it. But Miami Coin has since lost 95% of its value. Oh, of course it did. <laughs> What a great move. The they mayor are the Ecuador of the United States. The mayor of <laughs> Miami endorsed this fucking thing. Of course, because my <laughs> Billy Corbin, I don't know if you know who Billy Corbin is. Yep. He he always has the I think the hashtag because Miami. And it's it's such a Miami thing that like would happen. So the way that the city would be paid is that anytime somebody mines Miami coin online, the city gets a cut of that. Oh, no. And looking at when Miami coin started in September of last year, it has two big spikes around like September and the end of September. And then it's just like a constant drop off. Yeah. That initial pump and getting people in and then it went up big and then just sunk like people probably started selling. Completely... Glad to see that like one of the top eight most populous cities in America fell victim to a Ponzi scheme. It's really good. The mayor of Miami called himself the most Bitcoin friendly mayor on the fucking planet. <laughs> I love how Eric Adams also took his first paycheck from the city in Bitcoin. And it was like the next week he lost like 30 percent. <laughs> I feel like that's actually why it, it fucking dropped. Right. Everyone was just like, fuck this guy. He hasn't earned shit. But dude, it's so funny that I saw like I saw something in I think it was like South America Somebody had set up a um, a keg that you could pay in Bitcoin. And essentially, you scan your Bitcoin wallet and it pours the beer out. And they're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Look at how we... And I'm like, yeah, it's easier for me to hand a credit card to somebody and like get a beer from somebody instead of... You could of also have like, like Apple Pay set up too. And I was, just, the same thing. I was just gonna say, I was, like, I was like going to Dave and Buster's and using like what you get as, <laughs> as fucking coins or tickets to fucking buy a beer. Somebody's like, scan somebody's like scanning their phone and it's like not scanning initially and they like keep trying to scan the wallet and then the beer pours out and they're like, this is the greatest invention and it's like... Uh, sure. It's a bro That's gimmick. Or... First off, why are you buying alcohol with Bitcoin or any kind of cryptocurrency when you're supposed to hang on to that stuff and sell it big? But that's what's so funny about it is that, like, depending on how well it does, that that glass of beer might go from, like, $5 today to, like, $50 tomorrow. And but it's that's, like, so JFK beers is but, what you're saying. But, yeah. that's the, <laughs> but that's the whole thing about 
Bitcoin cryptocurrency is that they've always tried to legitimize it by giving it like spending usages. Yeah. And it never became practical for that reason, which is half the reason why the value can never remain constant or seem to to balance well because it's there's nothing that's really been able you've been able to sell steadily against it because of its I, volatility. I've seen I've seen people like talk about like when they used to own Bitcoin like way back in the day that they used to be able to like they would like trade it with like some guy at a local pizza place, right? Like like back when it was like 10 cents, he'd pay the guy in Bitcoin, which is like probably, you know, it's obviously not like a regular sale for them. But like you're talking about like a, a like a, a pizza which is like 10 bucks, right? He would give him like 10 Bitcoin. And you think about that today, it's like it's, yeah, you just gave him a house. <laughs> you just, yeah. gave, you just gave him like a million dollars. And it's like instead of holding on to it, a lot of people sold it when it was really cheap, and like if you know somebody wanted it that bad, and it's just it's just and it's it's an insane practice to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't it's want tulip it. mania for the twenty first century. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there they that book that I um, which was my pick of the week last week, the book called Money. They're starting to talk about that too, where like governments are starting to experiment with like people being able to invest in public entities and things like that and how volatile some of these things can be because this was when capitalism was in its infancy and like the turn of the 18th century in France where they didn't really understand like how runaway markets can work. And a lot of their resets were like very hard resets and it just would cripple economies. And I feel like that's the way that cryptocurrency is right now is that we don't understand how to like what levers to pull properly in order for like the crashes to like be lessened or the spikes to be dampened. I don't think that you could find someone in this world that could fully explain away the economy and every facet of it. Like, I don't think there's an economist. I don't think there's like, um, someone who's got that much knowledge about how it all works out there. And for that reason, we will never, we are doomed to continue to repeat that. I, I think we've never learned that lesson. Like it's just, it's happened over and over and again in history and it's going to happen again with, um, I mean, we're have we had it a few years back. We had it, what 2008 with the housing, like with houses. And that's something that's been around for fucking ever. You know what I mean? Like we have crashes and recessions and all this stuff because we've never fully understood it because half of it is all tied up in speculation. And we've essentially uprooted all of our our own worth into investment, you know, the investment culture itself. Right. Everyone feels like the only way to get ahead is to take what money you do have and risk it. And see- we basically live off of the, the idea of risk. They think, I, it, they think it's free money. That's why. And I wonder too, and you brought up a good artificial. point, Gato, as you were saying that, I, and you mentioned artificial, like there is this big push to include artificial intelligence in like investing and financing. But you have to think though, like if it was a completely unbiased AI, it might be able to alter the market in a way where it limits those spikes and crashes. But ultimately somebody has to create it and somebody's got an angle and ultimately AI like pets and, and kids, they are kind of reflections or pieces of who we are personally. 
And I don't think any AI is going to be completely unbiased and think for the people. It's going to be like, for the people, but BlackRock built me, so I'm going to go do this for them. Well, I think, one, any piece of software that's written has some form of exploitation or it's not going to be perfect. And it's going to, you know, pull the trigger at the wrong times or misinterpret data, um, especially in such a the, – the problem with the marketplace is that it being – so connected with all these different variables and being largely based on speculation. I mean, some of the the most valuable stocks out there, people are now starting to see how big of a charlatan fucking Tesla and Elon Musk is. And they're starting to go, oh, this is this this might be a problem here. And like I think there are AI out there that that has been built by like quants and stuff that they might have even cushioned some sort some of the harsh hits that we've taken um however i don't know if it will ever be perfect um because there's it's just too large i the one thing i would like to see though is the fucking fed actually think about using technology better for these reasons and i might be wrong about this i i don't know i actually my my stupid opinion of how the Fed operates is that they just sit around in like fucking meetings going, things might be costing too much. We need to change rates. <laughs> like, I just like, they're just like sitting there like with fucking cigars in their hands, just ashing it, not even smoking the fucking thing. <laughs> just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, price of yachts are up right now. We should do something about that. I need a new one for the season. Um, I know you jumped out, Q, but the, the discussion was like, where technology ai might be able to save or pre predict market changes and and it kind of exists already to a large extent but it's built on like technical investment so that's basically reading the graphs watching the numbers and telling you when to buy or sell like i think mo like there's there's enough automation even for like your um retail investor like if i go on to fucking fidelity right now i can actually put a put a placement that i want to buy or sell a stock if it ever hits a certain level um i get alerts all the time about stocks that i had bought at one time um and when they hit certain levels i think ideally it would be helping people you know make more like because i'm sure there are good ways to make passive income but like you know the average consumer doesn't know how to do that so it's funny. Um, I think I think that we have the wrong idea here in how to do the passive income. You're right. Like we all just do the most easy thing, and that's we have somebody who takes a, a cut, a service charge, or essentially goes in there. They manage your money for you because there's a lot there's a lot to learn or a lot to understand about how markets work. And Honestly, these people, I don't know how much more qualified they are than the average person. Anyhow, the thing about it is like when I lived in the Netherlands, um, almost everyone I worked with, right, they were they, there was like coders in, in the one office that I that I worked with. If you talk to them now, I think it might be just a cultural thing. Um, they're very enterprising. And even though they have the day job, they have the side hustle, which is their own business that they're either doing on the weekends or when they're available or free. I think finding where you can apply other skills or talents of yours is something that's actually started to grow here significantly. Um, I think that's why you see the proliferation of 
like podcasts and stuff. These are like the low hanging fruits, right? But um, <laughs> well, I mean, even that, like, it's not just easy to start. You know, one like you know, like without your editing skills and you know, the it, barely it, the, the barely there editing. <laughs> fucking hurts though. But yeah, no, no, there's a learning curve to it for sure. Yeah. I, I think just making it easier for people to make money. I just don't know why everyone's so like why every politician seems against like giving the middle class a little bit more money. Well, the funny thing about it is that we make it so complicated to actually start a small business or um, find a way of making passive income. That's not just from like one of these already like. I don't know if they're like, you know, fast tracked kind of incentivized paths. Like, you know, we basically tell everybody that you need to take a little bit of your earnings every week and invest in the stock market. And that makes sense to me, right? Put it into your 401k because the output of your hard work and collectively everybody's hard work and that extra money that's going in will constantly feed back and be like a feedback loop that will continue to grow the economy. And I understand that idea that concept and i understand where its merits are and why it's a good thing however we leverage way too much debt and we let businesses and corporations run fucking bonkers and they're liars and they're scammers and they're all out there in this big bad economy and when they fuck shit up they fuck it up for the small person and all their investments could go right down the drain my father just got a pension check from a pension that got basically disbanded or whatever the fuck they do when pensions fall through. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this, this check, you know, Um, I guess I'll put it in my 401k. And I was like, to be honest with the economy where it is right now, you might lose money on it in the short term by just investing it right now into even an index fund, which is probably one of your safest bets. I haven't looked in a while, but like mine's down like 10 K easy. Yep. The economy is on a downturn right now. Like, let's be honest. Um, they're saying, oh, it's going to crash. It's already starting. Yeah. It's already happening. Yep. Market is going to, quote unquote, recorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why it's very important for the government to make it easier for people to start their own side business and reduce that entry or gateway. In, in fact, incentivize that. Because we don't have enough of that, and there's too much consolidation going on in the American market. By an NFT, bro. Can I ask a question, though? I mean, it almost seems like a market correction, and I, I want to suffocate myself for saying this, but it only seems like a market correction is the only thing that can actually work right now to slow it down. Because if you think about it, like we were just talking about like how expensive it is to rent an apartment on Long Island. God forbid you want to fucking buy a house on Long Island or anywhere in this country. It's insane. It's an insane amount of money to buy a house. It's becoming more and more expensive to just live in general with inflation going nuts. And it just seems like all of these issues are actually happening with like the real economy Meanwhile, the pseudo economy, the stock market is just keeping make like setting records every quarter. It seems like this is just the again, I hate saying this, but it seems like this is the only way to slow things down, at least slow down the housing market and bring things back to a level where it's going to stuff's going to be a little bit more reasonable. I'm really glad you actually brought that up because this morning 
I saw a meme and it was a millennial poking a like with a stick like come on crash already and it was like the housing market he was yeah. trying to poke and I I thought that too I was like you know what like like as much as it's going to suck like we need to have this moment I think we're at a we're at a tip uh, tipping or a teetering point in which there's a big difference between where you're going to have a recession and you're going to have a depression yeah. And I think that we're so overinflated in the value. And this is the problem is that when when already values are overpriced with an over with an overinflated dollar, now both go to zero very fast and things become worthless. And that's when we're going to see like people go through the fucking shredder. Like that's when we're going to see the biggest jobless rates. That's when we're going to see companies just closing up because it couldn't sustain all of these things happening at once. Like. I will say, though, I think that the idea that the housing market will crash, I don't think that will necessarily happen. Even when you look at 2008 and 2009, the housing market technically did not crash. The The pricing just slowed. Well, the housing, loan structures. Yeah. Housing property. Yes. The loan structure changed completely, but the value of homes did not change. It's just that the people who were being able to to have access to some of the, the higher end homes that probably should not have gotten loans. They were now back to not being able to get loans. The, the interest rates on them. So the subprime mortgages, like they, they suckered them in with teaser rates. And then the mortgage, the, the interest on the loan went from like 5% to fucking 50. And overnight they now have to pay like 10 to you know 10 grand a month. It was yeah. criminal what they fucking did, man. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was a hundred percent. And like, you know, the community, re I think it was like the Community Reinvestment Act, I think it was, what Cuomo was, it was like birth from the Clinton administration and initially through yes. Cuomo in New York State when he was the Secretary of HUD. And like, that was how it all started. Was it the Volkner rule? Was that the one? Or, the, or was it Glass Stengel? I, I, I think I, kind I, of both of them had, had a contri contributory I, I effect my, to it. I actually wrote my college thesis on this, funny enough. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that I, this shows how much I remember of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that it, 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 that's, that's basically what happened is the bottom dropped out and those fuckers that made a killing off of it too. Have you ever seen the big short mm -hmm. made a killing off of all this because they could forecast it. And like, it's just like, it's just nothing happens to these people at all. It's driving insane. And I was going to say that earlier, there's going to be a bunch of companies that, have made a ton of money. They're mm -hmm. going to get blamed for a lot of this too, for price gouging and stuff like that. Yep. And their CEOs are going to have to resign, but they'll get golden parachutes and then yep. they'll turn up somewhere else in like four the years. Once they're like a competitive contract ends and they can finally go to another company, they'll show up somewhere else and be like, you know, I had a lot of time to think about what I was going to do. It was a mistake. Well, it was a mistake. Here's the funny thing. I don't know. I think it was you, Tom, that mentioned the word. You said the one word that will signify the difference between this next collapse and the collapse of 2008. And that was the word. Access. Complimentary face shields. <laughs> We're going to need them. We're going to fucking need them. Um, what, was the, what was that word? I'm sorry. Access. 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 Yes. Because what's happening is that as things become more expensive and overvalued and the value of money becomes inflated, but wage stagnation remains the same. People will not be able to afford the, the things in which they're trying to buy. 
and we will have a collapse based on the fact that we will have no longer any demand because no one will be able to afford. That's what I, that's why I've always been saying, like, like you think Jeff Bezos would be okay with paying more taxes because like, if, if you eventually have all the money in the world, then who's going to buy your shitty shit off your fucking website? So that recent tweet he had about, um, fucking Biden. On yeah, he, he's been he's been tweeting like a divorce guy recently. He, he he never he never said he was against it, but he just doesn't want to pay more taxes himself. Big divorce, right? but I I don't think he's he's I don't think he would mind an increase cost. I because he knows he will beat the competition because Amazon's so fucking big that the the rise or a spike in corporate taxes would actually be a good thing for a business like Amazon, which also has sweetheart deals in local and state state areas and stuff like that. He just no. doesn't want to pay any himself. However, he'll move whatever he needs to do his next fucking venture to, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea or whatever the fuck he wants to do next. He's going to start a colony on the moon to liberate yeah. society. I'm shocked there's, he hasn't tried to start no air. <laughs> Air, you don't need air, Tom. Okay, I, I see the penis shaped sub that's gonna go down to the depths, like Tom, he's gonna be mining fucking rare earth metals down there and shit. Tom, you don't need air. I've done my own research. Air is actually essentially useless. We don't need it. I've done my own research on it. What was I thinking, <laughs> Tom? If you come back, we must go to the Blue Point Brewery. Well, I am coming back, but unfortunately, not to see you clowns. Yeah, I don't consider that coming back, Tom. I what don't you, disagree you're with doing you. a wedding. Yeah. Oh, Volos, right? Correct. That's and you not... don't have time to for extracurriculars? Well, I'm only going to be there for two days. And how much wedding stuff? Are you in the wedding party or something? I am not, no, but it's in um, it's called Franklin Square. Mm. I thought he was so... out here on Middle Island. Well, I guess you could have a wedding in Franklin Square and live in Middle Island. Yeah, so they're, um, we don't have a car either, so we're flying in to JFK and then just ending up there. I think the hotel is not far from where the wedding is. And then we're leaving the next, the, the flying in the night before the wedding, going to said wedding and then leaving the next day. Yeah. I'm going to need Uber out here, Tom. So, um, he's at the tap room. I'll think about it. (laughs) We'll save you a seat. Appreciate you. (laughs) We're just, you know, what we're, we're gonna do. We're just gonna call in like a, a monkeypox scare to the Volo <laughs> wedding. You're like, Her monkey. Don't do that. Do it to the airline so I can get my money back and I get a free flight home. No, because like, it would just be a crime if I did that to the airlines. But um, it would be funny pretty, if I did it pretty, to the Volo's wedding. <laughs> pretty sure it's a crime either way. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a public danger. <laughs> The, the level of which you might get charged, yeah, maybe a little bit is, higher. Is, can can we talk about monkeypox for a second here? Does anyone else feel like um, we're we're just like going right back in time two years ago, <laughs> and we're just kind of shrugging off monkeypox like no big deal right now? Oh, I, I told like, you the, guys the bells and and the alarms haven't sounded yet. Like companies are like, no, still come back to work. Like. No big deal. What's what's to worry? You're only going to be covered in giant pock marks. I will say, though, this is the exact same way that we handled Ebola, 
um, West Nile virus, um, all of these other like major things that happened in this country pre COVID where there were these like mini outbreaks of these very dangerous diseases and people were like, okay. Well, there was only one case of Ebola and that was from someone who came back into the country with the Ebola and they were cured at a research hospital in Nebraska. And am I correct with Ebola? It's harder to transfer. It's blood to blood. It's blood to blood. So that's hard. It's not airborne. It's not even like bodily like fluid other than blood. But if you, if you get blood on you, like you're probably getting Ebola because it's going to get in your pores or something. You know what I mean? No, I know. I know. I'm just saying that like you're, you're not getting it from sitting in a room with having dinner with yeah. They're not actually sure right now how mon- monkeypox is being spread. They originally believed it was only through um, fluid transfers. Yeah. But now they're starting to believe that it could be transferred other ways. And the thing is, we can control when they're just fluid transmissional, you know, c- transmissible diseases like that. Um, but we cannot control anything that's airborne. Dude, that's it's fun. summertime's coming and people are going to be sweating. Yes. Monkeypox summer, baby. We were going to have Short King summer, <laughs> and now it's just Monkeypox summer. It's going to be, you know what? Short King summer, working class summer, Monkeypox summer. You know what's going to happen? I'm, I'm going to tell you right now those, those big wasps, those killer wasps are going to come here. They're going to get Monkeypox, and then they're going to like attack us all and kill us. <laughs> and then. That's how Prometheus starts, right? <laughs> That's pretty much. The- well, we're gonna well we're gonna create we're gonna create cyborgs to go out and kill these these fucking. So we're just gonna have a bunch of James Cameron movies and Ridley Scott <laughs> movies come together, right? And then blue and then yes. blue will come out of the sky and it's Avatar. It's like it's a mixture. Oh, of I thought you meant Blue Man Group. I was like, oh, they're gonna be the ones to save us. They're gonna be the new fucking heroes. It's the expanded universe. The the deadly expanded universe, pretty much. So that it's like. It's gonna be Marvel zombies already. Like I'm tired of this shit. Like, yeah, I think we're probably gonna see that one day. Has COVID turned into the DCU now? (laughs) Yeah, it's Jared Leto's Joker. (laughs) People are just like, no, just stop doing this. Everyone, everyone was super pissed about it when it first happened, and now it's like, yeah, no one really cares anymore. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. What are you worried about? Just COVID. Yeah, but all that to be said, I have not spent a lot of time on monkeypox, but it sounds like something that's totally terrifying and something we're going to completely ignore. So it's right on brand. There's yep. already multiple cases in New York City and cool. Cool. a few other places. And they all came from the subway the line. So Probably. It's got to be. It can't just be like blood or something like that it has to be airborne it might be sweat like you you make a good point it's getting hotter out um you know you like lean against something you leave a sweat residue i read though that like i think the thing about monkeypox is that it can survive for quite some time great 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 that's that's gonna be the biggest problem i think is that i i again i you know i don't remember the exact study that i read but like yeah that's gonna be a problem cool 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 yeah cool yeah, Love that for us. In lighter note, we're doomed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's the lighter note, folks. Tom, yo, who's your asshole of the week? Ooh, yay! Um, so 
My assholes of the week are two of them. So if anybody has been following the selection of the University of Wisconsin Madison's chancellor and kind of the backlash that's happened with that. Edge of my seat, Tom. Well, check this out. So this person, Jennifer Manukin, who is a law professor from UCLA, was elected to be the chancellor of the flagship institution of Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who's a Republican, of course. pushed back and said that they need to seriously reconsider their selection because Jennifer Manukin wrote a paper about mandatory vaccinations for college students. And Steve Nass, who's also Republican, rhymes with ass. Very much so, rhymes with ass. Um, he's the vice chair of the Wisconsin Senate's Universities and Technical Colleges Committee. Wow, he said that fucking five times fast. I don't want to. Um, he said that with Mnuchin as the chancellor, there will be forced indoctrination of critical race theory. And the reason why these two golden children are my assholes of the week are because this is continuing to be a bigger and bigger trend where university professionals, university faculty, and university administrators are now being seen through a political lens where state appointments like a university president or university chancellor or a system president now has a large component about who they voted for and what their political leanings are. And to be fair, that's been kind of the way it's always been because boards of governors, um, board of governors selections always goes to the governor. But the problem now is the University of Wisconsin is a fucking mess. The entire system is still a disaster ever since Scott Walker basically stripped it of all of its money. And they need somebody to really turn it around. And the, the board of governors, which is a bipartisan group, said this is the best person to do it. And now the state assembly and all of these other political hacks are saying that this person is going to destroy our children. Like, no, you could thank Scott Walker for that. So both Robin Voss and Steve Nass, congrats. You're my assholes of the week. Enjoy yourselves. There is a $4 voucher to Denny's that you can pick up on your way out. You fucking idiots. This <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. Um, Cause this is like, like we're, we're meant to kind of keep judges impartial, right? They're supposed to, they're not really supposed to have political, like lines or whatnot, right? Like that's how they're, that whole yeah, judicial branch works. They're paid. They're basically their job is to interpret the law as in accordance to the constitution. Yes, without the influence of the politics, right? And right. I feel like academia works on a similar principle, or should work in a similar principle, right? Is that for knowledge to transact it amongst people to to continue to study or grow the base of knowledge itself, it needs to be kind of free of like political strings, right? We're politicizing now every single position on an administrative board for a college. We're getting to a point where it's like, no, now we're, we're actually, we're going to create a, we're indoctrinating where, where educational programs are going to go. Because if it's seeping in here at the highest level, it's going to permeate down to where the education is happening, right? And that's 
what I'm like, wow, this really sucks. It's certainly bothersome in the sense that there's been this, and this is nothing new, but there is this constant anti-intellectualism that happens with the Republican Party in the sense that they look at colleges and universities as a detriment to the human experience or the American experience, when in reality, they are something that has helped more people build better lives before of this major influx of student loans. And the, the problem that they see is that they want the football component of college, but they don't want all the strings that are attached to having a collegiate football program, which is in, in itself a university. And if they take like these little snippets of these professors who have said something that's out of line or a university administrator that did something that was probably not the best decision and they blow it up to be like, this is a systemic thing where they're all meeting and coordinating like the indoctrination of our children. I think the three of us have been in rooms where professors have used their academic freedom to say some stupid shit, regardless of whatever it was. But it doesn't necessarily mean that people should be fired or they should like it only be political appointments. If you look at a college campus, the reason why a number of students there tend to lean liberal is because they are now meeting people that they have historically never actually engaged with in their life. And they're seeing alter differing perspectives. Once you leave college and you have no further education or you go back to where you grew up, people typically tilt back to where they were originally. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I kind of wish like everyone had to take like a year off to just go and like fucking do some soul searching, go elsewhere, like a, an American version of the Rumspringer, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You would be, I would, I think that would be really surprising. And I, and I think too, that there would be more intentionality with folks who, you know, they go to college for a reason and not because they thought like this is the only thing that they can do. Right. I think very much so. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who go to college because they think that's just the natural order of things. And they end up burning out like after a semester or a year and then they're saddled with debt. Like it would not be a bad thing if everybody had to take an off year and go out and do something or go somewhere and figure out like. I can do this without a college degree or while having to do this makes me appreciate wanting to go to college more and I'll, I'll consider it more than what I've been doing. So I don't think you're far off on that idea. I think there could be a lot of, certainly could be a lot of like room to grow in that regard. For sure. Yeah. I, um, I, I know I think I would have benefited from that one year because when I came out of fucking high school and into college i was just raring to go a fucking party animal and i didn't give a fuck (laughs) about education for probably the first year and a half because of it had i gotten a chance to get some of that out of my system and to actually get a little bit more time to think about what i wanted to do like i think i would have made much more informed decisions than end up with uh, a fucking poli sci degree. Well, I don't think you've done anything wrong per se. Like, I don't think you, I would push back on like, it wasn't a good decision. I think like 
if you talk to the folks from our parents' generation, they did the exact same things that we did in college if they, if they went. But I think the stakes are so much higher now. Like it costs so much more money and it's, it's more of a detriment if you're not able to continue with it and succeed with it in getting a degree where, you know, if you dropped out of college in 1974, you only might've, you know, you paid like a thousand or $1,500 a year to go. Now it's, you know, if you go to a state school, it could be $9,000. If you go out of state, it could be 17. I think that's the thing is that like, what what I got for what I paid in comparison to maybe like our parents, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that's a totally different, totally different um ball. It's a totally different ball game. It's um, more that has more to do with how higher education is now financed in ever since the nineteen eighties, where they basically identified that public universities and colleges are no longer public goods and you have to pay a fuck ton of money to go. So all that to be said, those two idiots are they're my assholes of the week. Nice. So uh, I'll go. Um, I got a real good asshole this week. Senator Bill Cassidy at um, down in Louisiana. Down Senator. Um, what's that? Sounds like he sounds like the name sounds like a Louisiana senator. Oh yeah, he's total villain here. Um, <laughs> total piece of work, this guy. This week, he made a statement regarding abortion and abortion rights, and it was something to the effect of, uh, our maternal death rates are only bad if you count black women. <sighs> yeah. yeah. No, just don't, just don't count them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe just three-fifths, right? Yeah. Yeah. What the actual fuck? Like, oh, yeah, we'll just toss out the, the inconvenient fucking data um, and go with <laughs> go with what basically works the best here. It, it's just such a fucking typical do not care about you statement. Like, it clearly shows where he's thinking, where his mind is about. He tried to not double down necessarily, but he tried to correct what he had said. If you correct our population for race, we're not as much of an outlier as it would otherwise appear. And again, I really fucking need you to understand something that the fact that when you have to say it's it wouldn't be so bad considering any group when we're talking about death from a decision that is being forced upon people about their own reproductive rights. I think we have to realize that you're already wrong. You're already off base. You shouldn't have to ever make that statement because we should not be doing this. Yeah, you're just, you're a fucking asshole, fucking Bill Cassidy. No, I mean, it's, it's pretty typical of, uh, of, of the, the, the modern GOP in that, you know, it's, and it's also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some kind of dog whistle as well. Of uh, basically saying, like, yeah, you know, when it comes to white people, we're all we're all good here. But yeah, like, oh, hey, racists, like we're we're helping you out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, this is what the Nazis want. Yeah, it's it's um, I don't, you know, at this point, it's just it's just typical at this point. So, um, another asshole saying another asshole thing. Hey, Tom. Hello, (laughs) Tom. You're having some technical difficulties today. Very much so. It's raining very hard here. Uh, 
Very, very cool. Very legal. Very rainy. <laughs> very rainy. All right. Well, I guess uh, I'm going to go with Madison Cawthorn for old time's sake, because I have a feeling he may not be with us um, in the public uh, domain as much going forward. And um, he was talking a lot about Dark Maga. Are you guys familiar with Dark Maga? Um, it's uh, what the the physicists have been looking for, right? Um, they say yeah, that it's exactly. what holds the entire universe together, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he he's being investigated, um, and by an ethics committee mainly because of the fact that uh, apparently there was uh, rumors of some inappropriate relationships, um, and also apparently he was uh, trying to promote a cryptocurrency. I believe it was the Let's Go Brandon crypto. Um, so basically he's being investigated, like, is, is there, you know, it, it, did he do anything improper when it came to that? Um, and also may have had an undisclosed financial interest in it as well. So he's, uh, and he basically tried to blame it that the dark MAGA is coming to try and take him down. The swamp is trying to take him down. Um, this is coming off of already pissing off Republicans uh, enough that they basically pushed him out. So, um, really, I mean, again, he had it so easy. All he had to do was just kind of toe the company line. He would have been in Congress probably for the next 50 years um, as a Republican in that district. So, um, yeah, Madison really fumbled the bag. So he's got to be my asshole. And we and cue the, the Sarah McLaughlin, we will remember you song. So uh, who wants to start out with pick? Uh, you guys could go. I'm going to start. Morbius. That's right. It's Morbin time, guys. Oh boy, you've been morbid pilled. I've been I I'm more pilled to the to the, like the fullest amount you can be more pilled. I I'm gonna recommend Morbius, and not for a reason that you think, because I've already talked about Morbius, and it's bad. Yes, it's a bad movie, but it, the the jokes are so funny. I need more Morbius, so we need to we need to get it to the point where it makes enough money, and they decide to make a sequel. We need more Morbius. We need more Morbius, just to, to ironically mock it. It's so the, the honestly, I'm loving the memes that are coming from Morbius. The movie, I, I if I never saw a second of it again, I'd be too soon. I just want it to keep going, just for the jokes, just to keep Jared Leto. Jared Leto is like upset that he has to keep playing Morbius over and over and over again, but he can't walk away because the money's too good. Because people keep making fun of it, it's really would put him in a real tough spot, and I kind of want to see it. So, did I did I share that with you guys that um, in like Discord threads, um, Discord channels, people are like, "Oh, check out this video or whatever," and then you click on it, and then it's like it's the entire Morbius movie, like you know, ripped or whatever on the internet. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they're equating it to the Rick Roll, right? It's like he's so happy, Morbin. You just got more. <laughs> You got more. <laughs> it, I, I honestly, I hope you guys see it soon because I want to talk about it more. It's a really bad movie, but honestly, like it's worth a watch. So um, I need you guys to get more pilled with me soon. And um, yeah, everybody watch Morbius. Maybe it'll make more disasters of a movie. But I need, I need more Morbius. One can only hope. Um, I didn't everything on my phone right now. If you can hear me, I can go. 
It's uh, it's pretty bad. Audio's a little bad. And, um, Give it a try now. Just say test. Two mice. Two mice. <laughs> you, it just sounded like it sounded like T Pain. Fucking just like gave a shout out to two mice. Um, say you're gonna buy me a drink. We lost them. We lost them. You guys are really upsetting me. You guys have not seen Morbius yet. The cultural phenomenon of 2020. I mean, once it becomes free to watch, I will watch it. How dare you? I am not. How dare you? I really, really. You can thank me for it, okay? And I mean, you do you want to buy it for me? Right? Just buy it for me. DVD. Oh, Which yeah. sucks because I actually really didn't have a pick of the week. You can pick something. But, but what I was going to say was I did watch um, The Northman last night, and I am oh. fully pilled on Northman. Yes. That Dude. was a fucking rocking movie. Wasn't it? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. A lot of people were kind of sour on it, mainly because of the fact that, um, you know, Eggers' history is pretty much, like, real kind of artsy films. And, like, there were, like... There was a there was a lot of like metaphors kind of within it, but like it really is just like his version of what a blockbuster would be, and it was action flick, plus Andy Taylor Joy, awesome, um, Nicole Kidman, like that performance was incredible. That monologue, that monologue she does towards the end, might be my favorite scene from the movie. It's the best twist of yeah. the movie for sure. Um, is that? Oh, I guess I. I... Well, I mean, yeah, I would avoid it because if anyone's seen it, but I mean, uh, but if you don't know by now, it's it is it is a Nordic Hamlet essentially. <laughs> I would have said Hamlet. I would have also yeah. said like a uh, Death Wish, yeah, like movie. Like it's yeah, it's a it's a Nordic revenge flick. It really is, and it's it's so well done. That, and I, and Bjork is only in it for like a minute or two, but like that scene fucking trips me out every time. Um, it's, it's just, it's so cool. Uh, that fight scene at the end, how, what did you think of the, uh, the fight scene at the end? It was pretty fucking epic. Right. I mean, like they, you know what, as far as like making for someone who does, I would say, yeah, more artsy films, yeah. there was enough of a balance struck between doing it big action blockbuster style with mm. doing it artsy here that. Both came off sort of well in ways that you wouldn't necessarily. I didn't dig. There is where he's kind of having those visions, and this isn't really a spoiler, so I'll talk about it, where you're seeing like the um, the tree of life, right? Will just flash, and I was like, I could probably do without that. Um, the beauty of that is that it really does pull from like Nordic mythology. Yes. So, like, I listened to a um, expert on Vikings um, talk about this movie, and he talked about the fact of the accuracy. Like, I mean, Eggers is such a nut that he will say, like, no, we can't use that fabric for the bow and arrow because they wouldn't have had that back then. It's like super factual. He's so big, so granular with it, which I can really appreciate. And yeah. it comes out always well in his movies because when. When you're sitting there watching a movie and everything seems to fo follow or mimic reality or history, and then there's that one thing that they had to do to make it a storyline or a story plot that is outside the realm of like normal reality or whatever it is, it bothers you. It messes with you. You know what I mean? 
for me, that was like the biggest thing is that like it really does. It's a great story, and then on top of it, it the fact that it's like you do feel kind of fully immersed in the in in the environment. And he picked an amazing environment in Iceland for for shooting this movie. That shot of the burning the burning house is incredible. Yeah, uh, there's so many different like like you can screen grab so many different parts that are just like incredibly shot. And like I yeah I don't know if I put it over the lighthouse. I think the lighthouse was just such a weird like but like great movie. And I mean, the fact that like um. Defoe and and Pattinson were able to work off of each other, and it's literally they're like other than like two moments of like the the mermaid and then like the guy who died, like it's just those two guys for the entire movie carrying um, really long shots. So I, I think the Lighthouse will still remain my favorite, but I think I like it more than the Witch, and I know a lot of people are saying that it's not his it's it's his worst movie to date. I'm gonna disagree, and uh, I think I think it was incredible, and I, I think it warrants rewatches too. Honestly, like just to kind of see anything you might have missed on the first one, because there's a lot going on that yeah, this movie would have little things you might miss, and to that point, Nicole Kidman's part at the end, they talk about a scene from the beginning, and right. it makes you want to wa- rewatch the very beginning of the movie exactly. for that for that part. You want to be like. Did he? Because what is really great about this movie is that, on top of it being like a revenge movie, it was from the from the person who's trying to get retribution back. And Alexander Skarsgård plays an amazing role here. Um, it was really, really fucking good, and I think he really was able to not only get into a character, but get into a character in that time frame—a time frame nobody he could talk to to really get that mindset but like he was able to get there um and he had a conflict because it was again against like his his norse religious values and then like kind of his morality and everything really created like a personal conflict within the movie that plays well and there's there's crazy things that happen too where his imagination takes takes over what's happening on screen so altogether fucking nice yeah it's it really is incredible to see that like and it's also a story of a flawed person like it and that's what i love about it is that you'll see like you know for anybody who hasn't seen it the first 20 minutes really do kind of play a part where he's obviously a sympathetic figure but it's complicated because of what he does in his future life that make him deplorable but at the same time, you kind of still understand that, like, well, what is he supposed to do in this? He's, you know, he's a kid that was on the run when he was, you know, seven years, you know, seven or eight years old or whatever it was. Um, so it keeps playing with this idea that, like, and at the end, you know, he makes a decision that I think was will, will probably be controversial for some people. And it's like, you know, at the end, like, it, there's a lot of question questionable stuff to his character, which I think is is kind of good because. You, he's not really a hero. He's more of an anti-hero, and it makes it more compelling to see the journey he goes on. He's he's not he's not really yeah he's not meant to <laughs> like yeah no no he you know he's I think so. There's I think one of the great things about this movie too is that there's a lot of deeper metaphor about family yeah and the evolution of man yep and. 
Um, I think there's also an overlying um, narrative somewhere about slavery uh -huh. that's also built into this that um, it's kind of, you know, poking fun at the idea of how stupid it is, right? Altogether, I mean, it's it's got all those key pieces of where you're still, like, we're sitting here talking about it. We could probably do this for another, we could have had an entire episode Honestly, itself about this movie. If Tom is able to see it in the future, I would like to do an entire like we'll do like a bonus of of just the Northman because uh, and or we can do Eggers in general because uh, he's he's really compelling in his storytelling and um, I'm I'm hoping because the movie didn't do well financially. I mentioned this last week, didn't do well financially, which kind of surprised me because I maybe maybe based off his history. Um, that maybe people thought it was going to be a little bit out there, and it is. <laughs> it's still was there, was there some controversy in general that started with this movie? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people got mad at him because he doesn't have a lot of um, he doesn't have a lot of diverse cast members. But at the same time, his movies have taken place in like 16th century England, you Scandinavia. know. Amongst like a, a really like like crazy religious group, and then it's really five act five or six actors in that movie. The lighthouse is two people, yeah, and then the Northmen, which is like what thirteenth century Vikings. You know, I I think people see it like their first thought is like he's doing it because he's uh, you know being some some people were saying it's racist, and I I don't I don't see it. I don't see what they're uh, again. I'm I'm never going it's, to do something. It's but, really ironic to me on this yeah. on this specific because if you actually sit down to watch the movie, I feel like people were just you know before even before even seeing the movie, they were making this judgment about it because, in the sense, right? They it, build it. It's yeah, it, it, yeah. There's there's no there's no dog whistle. Like if you're looking for like you know some people with I think Apocalypto. If you ever seen Apocalypto, the Mel Gibson movie. Yes, it takes place during the Mayanet. There were some people who were like, "All right, like you know, may, there might like some people were like, that's kind of it was kind of racist because it made like made them look like they didn't have humanity, and like you know, oh, the settlers came and then that's you know, like so there was there was some like undertones that I think some people were seeing. Whether or not that's legitimate, I have I I'm not say because I'm not an stuff, but. There's nothing you could pull from the Northmen, in my opinion, that would be like, ooh, that was kind of like a weird decision to make. So I think people are just getting mad about it. Yeah, I mean, in general, if you're ever doing a historical movie, um, it's hard to... I Like, even the Apocalypto case that you're bringing up, um, the, re the reality is that... It was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. That was how history books have it written doesn't mean it's right nice. does not mean it's right at all and i would argue that there is plenty of humanity in the very beginning of that movie apocalypto starts in the village yeah um with the the guy that's like trying to have a kid or whatever yep so i, I think yeah i i'm again i'm not an expert on these things so i don't i don't know but it is I, mel gibson I, so people <laughs> overreact yeah because of mel gibson people were overreacting to it um, but again, I don't. I, but then again, I, I'd be willing to listen if someone could break down why it is. I uh -huh. was, and I could. I, my mind could be changed on it depending on um, considerable factors. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, no, when it comes down to it, I think that was just people getting mad about nothing. And I think that's already kind of died out with the Northmen. Like, I, I don't think people are really talking about that anymore. Um, because it never really made sense to me. Like, watch the movie, and I think most people would disagree with that. So, yeah. So, Tom, um, Tom's not with us. I'm going to say that officially on the record, Tom's pick is Morbius as well. <laughs> yeah. We need more Morbius. So, please continue about our. But on paper, on paper, Tom's pick will be Morbius. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, things things that I, I started that I actually liked, too, was um, the Chapo Trap House. Yep. Guide to the Revolution. Awesome. Um, pretty solid book. It's cool the way they break it down. First, so the, the first three chapters, introduction... Got me laughing because they have a way with words for sure. They are um, amazing references. Um, the second chapter was World, which basically led us through I want to say 1700s to current current day. Mm-hmm. And then the third chapter that I think I'm mostly through is Libs. <laughs> of course, and um. It's been good to read. Um, a little bit of it is like I'm reading and I'm like confirmation bias. Like I'm catching it all and I'm reading it and I'm loving it. Yeah, you already agree with Eating my ego. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. But but, but I, don't, I, I don't think that takes away from the fact that they do have good points. No, and then there's some points I was like, oh, I've never even fucking thought of it that way. And I never really looked at it that way. I guess every so often it's nice to just come back and talk about our picks um because a lot of times i'm just excited to see or read or do something little often do i actually get to provide the feedback of whether or not it's worthwhile and so everything that i've just mentioned i would recommend to anybody out there listening all right well tom thanks a lot uh for living in north carolina w for so it's, it's amazing new, new york people are still on the call and uh, one person from North Carolina isn't. So, might, might so I, I guess we would have to say that You're in the internet. area, internet and infrastructure might not be as yeah. good as it's cracked up to be might in be other places. Of- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, this was an episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Please follow us on our Instagram page, Second Mouse Podcast, as well as our Twitter page, which is spelled... 2ND Mouse Podcast. Um, Gatto, have anything before we go? Just uh, again, big shout out to all our Apple listeners. You guys keep crushing it. Um, and we've, we're starting to see spikes in Spotify. So uh, we see you over there catching up. Let's make it a healthy competition. Um, again, loving, loving that you guys are listening to us. Hoping you're really enjoying us. Let us know if there's anything that you want to hear more about um, or topics that you would like us to talk about. We kind of do a carte blanche freestyle here. Really, we don't we don't curate much before these topics that we discuss. And that's why we would love to hear your input. Um, or just send us a message and call Tom a lib. Either yeah, one. anytime you feel free to insult us. We're, we're no, always no, down for a couple insults. Just, no, no, don't insult me. Just Tom. Okay, yeah. There we go. Yeah, Tom's the lib, Q's the snowflake, I'm the asshole. It works. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, 
thanks for joining us and have a good night. Bye bye. <laughs> Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker.